Hey, this is Barbara Corcoran, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. But first, today we're talking to a guy from Tennessee. At first, I thought he was from Morris, but he claims that if you put $100,000 into his business, he can earn 30 to $40 million back. You tell me, do you believe him? I always believe if you want to really be rich and build a big business, you can't do it using your own hands. You got to work through other people. Today, we're talking to an artist doing a great job using her hands, and I'm going to give her my secret sauce on how you build a business really big with the same art, but by using other people. Hi, Barbara. My name's Karak. I've actually met you a couple times. You probably do not remember me on Fire Island. So, you know, I've rung up your groceries a few times, so I've definitely started from the bottom. But since I was like 16 years old, I actually made my own art. I would sell my sea glass jewelry. So I am 24 now, which is crazy to me, but I actually started my own business. It's called Coastal Design Studio, and I host art classes. I sell my own art, and it's just been such a crazy roller coaster ride for me. And I guess my question to you is how do I remain positive? Like, there's so many ups and downs with running your own business, I've realized, and I just don't know. Sometimes it's hard for me to bounce back from the low points, you know, like when I get a rejection or something doesn't go as I wanted to, you know, I'm just kind of wondering, you started out, like, how did you roll with the punches and how did you get back up on your feet? Thank you so much for listening and hope to hear from you. It's so rare, Kara, that I get anyone calling in that's so close to my world. It feels nice and cozy. I like the way it feels. <laughs> right? I know. I feel like I know you. Like, yeah. I feel like Fire Island does that. To well, me. Fire Island's a tiniest little town in the world, and you feel like if you meet someone, they're from your childhood, even though they aren't. You know, it just gives you that warm, cozy feeling, right? Yeah. yeah. I saw you were out there the other day, too. How cold was it? <laughs> it was pretty cold. Yeah, <laughs> Very, bet. very cold. Um, I think I do remember you, honestly. I, if I'm picturing, did you always have a bad sunburn on your chest? Oh, always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember I you. go to the beach right afterwards. Yeah, so. I know, but you always look deliciously sunburnt. I don't think I ever really saw it turn into a tan ever, but <laughs> but I was always worried about your chest. Cut that out. I don't want you to have cancer when you get older, okay? I'll try. All right, yeah, cool it a little. Oh, much better, much better. Okay. So the question is, what do you do with your business? You're describing as a roller coaster ride, which sounds like fun if you're in the amusement park, and it might be fun in the first one or two hills, but the problem with the roller coaster coaster in a business is it wears you out you're feeling a little worn out by the whole thing oh yeah definitely you know it's been fun but I never really expected to get into it so I feel like all of the challenges have just been like coming at me from every angle and I've just had to kind of learn everything my own way because I never had any background in business so like all of this is so new to me it's a little overwhelming but it is a lot of fun 
Well, I'm hearing music to my ears, a couple of very positive things right out of the gate. One is you're learning it all yourself. You don't really have a business background. Uh, I can tell you nine out of 10 businesses that are usually successful have no business background and the entrepreneur wow. learns everything themselves. So that's a great way to come out. Something about learning something yourself is real. Something about someone lecturing you on what you should know doesn't wind up amounting to very much at all. So you're learning the best way an entrepreneur could learn, which yeah. is on your own, trying this, trying that. But give me a little background. You've been doing it full time since you were a kid in Fire Island and you're 24 now. How long have you been in business and are you making money on it? Are you self-supporting? How do you live? Give me the picture of that. How long have you been in business? Number one. Okay. Well, starting on Fire Island, I was selling my handmade jewelry with the sea glass I would collect on the beach. So that's kind of the starting point of where this all came from. And then I went to college for art education. So out of college, I kind of had this fork in the road. I can either go be a teacher or I could, you know, try to start my own business. And that's like how it started. I went and got an LLC for this business. It's called Coastal Design Studio. And I have been just teaching art classes. I started locally and I would go to restaurants, you know, any kind of business that would take me in and let me use their space to host art classes. So mm paint nights if you've ever done like a sip and paint kind of thing something like that and I've been lucky enough to go into Boston a lot I'm up in Boston now I moved wow. here last year so I've been doing a lot of work in Boston it's been a lot you know just I think the part where I struggle is just trying to organize it all and mm. you know the finances is definitely the toughest part I'm able to sustain the business but mm -hmm. you know I've made a few mistakes here and there. I tried to open up my own studio mm -hmm. and that was probably my biggest learning experience. I'll call it that. I won't call it a mistake. <laughs> you need a few of those bumps that you never forget, right? Yeah, it definitely taught me a lot. But, you know, if I could take it back, I probably would because I was basically teaching my classes and taking the money from that just to support my rent, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I'm taking it that it's successful enough that you're self-supporting. So the issue isn't that you don't have enough income coming in. You just sound to me more that you're overwhelmed. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think it's just not knowing what I want my next steps to be. Mm -hmm. because I feel like I want to start hiring out and having people help me teach the classes so I can take on more. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just the money part that scares me and not knowing if I would be able to support another teacher in my business. I see. Okay. I think you have a challenge that's easily met and one that's going to be uh, so much easier than opening the studio that you opened and closed with that monkey on your back. The problem with back then having the studio is you became the landlord. You had an mm -hmm. overhead you had to meet. You had to fill yeah. it all the time. You had to make use of the space. You had to keep it going. That's high pressure. Nothing's wrong with that except you gave away your freedom. Yeah. The model you started out in that you did very well from part-time to full-time is the hosting of the classes. You travel to different locations. You're not paying that rent. They're in mm -hmm. essence paying you to come, right? Teaching yeah. people. So you educated to be a teacher. Good for you. You teach and you're an artist. What a dream job. Okay. <laughs> and am I right in saying you enjoy that aspect of it? The basics of what you're doing, you enjoy doing? Definitely. I love every part about it. Okay. Well, then I would say to you, all you need to do is have an army of part-time people on a commission basis to explode your business. 
mm-hmm. easily done. Are you good at judging people? Kind of. I think I am. I'm a very like empathetic, sympathetic person. So I feel like I might be a little too quick to hire someone. And mm-hmm. If you know what I'm saying. Yes. Okay. Well, what I would suggest you do is start interviewing a lot of people, maybe just by putting an ad in Craigslist, but being very specific as to what you want. That ad in my mind, and you're much better apt to write it than I would be right now, but I'll take a stab at it, okay? Part-time moms wanted. Moms are always looking for part-time jobs, if at all possible, with an artistic ability to help me run and host small art classes with seaside art or whatever you want to call it, something like that, okay? Okay. Make your own hours. That's a real appealing thing to moms, okay? Work as much or as little as you want. Good compensation on a commission basis. Okay. Is there a possibility that you could draw a lot of people in in Boston for a career night, like get a half dozen or a dozen people in on an ad? Oh, definitely. I feel like that would be something very interesting to a lot of people. I've actually gotten people to reach out to me before and ask me if I'm hiring teachers. So, What time do you teach those classes? Is it after the teaching hours or during the teaching day? My classes are usually at night. Ooh. Mm. So it's perfect for teachers. Yeah. Would it be perfect for art teachers? Do you need artistic background? I think it would definitely help. But a Mm. lot of the stuff that I teach is stuff that, you know, anyone can do. Kara, can you envision moms teaching it better or teachers? I'm just wondering if the teaching aspect is important. Uh, I think teachers just because it is like a pretty much like a classroom setting with like step-by-step instruction. So I think a teacher would be the best. I agree. So forget the mom idea. It might work, but I think stage one is you have a sense of what's involved and it seems like the ability to run a classroom is key. Is the artistic background necessary or could an English teacher teach it? I would say an English teacher could do it. Okay, so let's rewrite the ad. You're telling me that teachers are the best people to teach it. You usually run these classes around the school day so they'd have the availability of time. And so the ad should be teachers want it. Come to an open house on Tuesday night at 8. You might wish to be a teacher on my art classes in the evening. You can make great commissions, period. I think you should practice on one open house. Drag them in. You teach them. This is what I do. And then the question comes down to how much money can I make? How much money do you make in a single class? How many people typically attend and how much money do you take home? So right now I take home between like 300 to 800 a class. So you gotta be kidding. (laughs) I think I'm going to go in competition with you. (laughs) It's great because there's this company I work with right now. They actually do a lot of the work for me. They go to luxury apartments throughout the city and they're like a community organization group and they set up the classes, they get all the people to come and then they just have people like me come in and teach the class and I get paid per person that comes in and that's usually between 15 to $30 a person. Mm-hmm. And if you had someone capable of teaching that class on your behalf, that you just set them up, run the training, they go in and teach that class, how much money could you afford to give away to that teacher? You're getting how much per head? 15 to what? 15 to $30. Let's say you get mm-hmm. $20 a head. And you have how many in a typical class? Around 20. So 20 times 20 is what? $400, right? Mm-hmm. So typical class, you get $400. Could you give away $100 of the $400? Yeah. Would you want to give 200 of the $400 away? Yeah, I definitely want to because it would 
take some pressure off of me knowing that I don't have to show up to every single class like I do now. Mm -hmm. How long are your classes? About an hour to two hours. And then people need to commute to and from. So it's two and a half hours of their time. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just can't figure out how much, because I don't know that market, how much you must pay the teacher. I'm thinking that you could probably get away. I'm not cheap or anything. I love paying people well, but I'm wondering if you could give them 30% of the ticket sales. Okay. I would start with that versus 50%. You could always go up, but once you go up, you can't come down. Okay. You lose your good teachers. So now you have the open house, a certain time, everybody comes in, one straight hour, you do a show and tell, this is what it is. I can arrange the classes around your schedule. This is when we usually do it. Will you typically make this much money and you'll take 30% of the ticket sales? Do you think people would buy in? Oh, yeah, I think for sure. Would you have to train them after the open house once you hire your first five people? Yes, definitely. Could you book enough classes for five people, five new teachers? That's another thing that I get a little worried about. Like right now in Boston, I told you about that company that hires me. So they're pretty much in control Mm -hmm. of the classes that I get and then everything else is on my own. So I'm sure I could step it up and get a lot more classes knowing that I'll have the help. How much could you step it up and be comfortable? Could you double your classes or increase them by 50%? I could double my classes. Right now I'm doing about two classes a week, which is not a lot because I have other jobs on the side too. But eventually when I do take this full time, I, I think I can get a class every day, you know, that would be awesome. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're confusing me, Kara. We almost went backwards here, okay? In other words, you're doing this part-time now, but you could double your classes and you could handle the added classes if they were doubled? I'm saying if I took it full-time, like right now I'm just doing it as my side thing. So if I did take it full-time and got more classes and I had the help, I could do it full-time. Let me rewind. I think these are the logical steps. Wait, do you want to do it full-time or would you rather keep your day job? No, I want to do it full-time. You do? Okay. So I think the first thing you need is the act of courage to jump off the cliff and do it full-time, provided you feel reasonably sure you could double your classes because you want to be able to pay your rent, right, and live, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say you decide on a certain date, give yourself a deadline, I'm going to try to line up enough classes so I could quit my day job. Many entrepreneurs, very successful ones, start exactly that way. And then after you fill up your calendar with your classes, and at the same time, I would do an open house with the goal being to find one good person to help you. Just mm -hmm. one. I wouldn't hire four. I'm thinking you were overwhelmed with opportunity, but you're not. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I would just hire one good person, the best of the lot that comes to that open house that night. You hire them. And I would offer them 30% of the revenue or 30% of the ticket shares because I think the money's enough where a teacher is going to be very excited about doing it with you. Mm -hmm. You know what else I think you're going to find as a result of doing that? You're going to find that you have company and you enjoy it. There's nothing so much fun about doing your own business when you're totally by yourself. Right now, you have a day job. You have a sense of community in that. Once you go out on your own, it gets very lonely being the only person to talk to yourself every day. So yeah. then you have somebody else to bounce an idea of someone else say, hey, you're going to cover the class tonight. This is where it is. It creates a new community for you, which I think is very important in any business if you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Okay. But the idea that you started your business, you've been in it this long, that you have traction and you really want to leave your day job, good for you, but go and do it. Go and do it and give yourself a deadline and do oh. it knowing 
that the formula you have to expand your business, you might wind up with 200 teachers working for you five years from today. You might have a hugely profitable business and only come in to check on your business when your yacht parks in Boston <laughs> Harbor. I mean, I know as, as bizarre as it sounds, but the only way to become rich in life is to build through other people. Right now, you build through you. You're very capable. You're on your road to riches. The next step is to build through other people and multiply out and multiply out. But mm -hmm. I think you've got to make the leap of faith, double your business, and jump out of your day job. I think it's time, and I think you know that. All right. I, yeah, okay. definitely. You know, you have to feel in your gut, but sometimes your gut says, no, no, maybe maybe it will go wrong. No, no. Scared in your gut doesn't mean don't do it. Scared in your gut usually means you're going to stall. No, you got to just go out and do it if you're able to double your business. That's the million-dollar question. Maybe talk to your sources. Maybe talk to the people you're billing these host classes through right now on your own. Really figure out if there's enough stuff there for you to double your classes. And if you're 80% sure, even 70% sure, go and do it. Life has a way of hearing your battle crying coming to your rescue. It's just that way when you're an entrepreneur. So you got to go out and do it. But then after that, what I love so much about what you told me today is this is a natural system of building like the Avon network of design jewelry, hosting the classes. And teachers really want to do more than teach during the day. So I think it's a natural source of great comrades in your journey to become rich. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. If I see you in Fire Island not putting a sunblock on that gorgeous body of yours, I'm going to yell at you like a mom. You don't mind, do you? <laughs> I will. Thomas. Okay. Let me know your announcement when you jump off the edge. I'm going to celebrate <laughs> you with a glass of wine. Okay. Awesome. Okay. I love you, Kara. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So nice to talk to you. Same here. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. My friends at On Deck Business Loans. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, Barbara, this is Jonah from Morristown, Tennessee. I uh, wanted to ask you a question that's business related. Uh, I have an opportunity to do some manufacturing services for uh, several high-end customers, uh, really having a tough start on, you know, getting capital, getting stuff like that going. wanted to get uh, pick your brain, get your opinion, thought, you know, what would be the the road best travel to kind of to get things started and get things rolling and grow the business rapidly. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. You have a good question that a lot of people would be interested in knowing more about. That's why I loved it. Whatever we learned today, we're going to share with a lot of folks that are going to help them. So you're having a hard time getting started, Jonah. Yes and no. So kind of I would say in in my realm of things that the foundation is there. And I think this might apply to a lot of different people. You know, my specific one is about manufacturing, but there's a lot more people, you know, that have their own ideas and stuff like that of that course. they may try to getting off the ground. But the foundation of there as far as customers, how's it going to be done, turns into the question, you know, okay, where is this capital going to come from? You know, I've read many books about people, you know, you can go to angel investors or investors, you know, take it to Shark Tank even, or uh, family and friends. And just me personally, I think a lot of that is sometimes even out of the realm of most entrepreneurs, whether it's a product or, or a business that's just trying to get off the ground got me thinking, you know, how, what other means are there of approaching that to get things started in, in some way, shape or form? Okay, General, let me back up a little bit. You say do some manufacturing services for several high-end customers. Can you put that in words that I would understand? In other words, what are you actually yeah. selling? Yeah. 
how things have kind of went on with the trade war. It's opened the opportunity for American manufacturers to do stuff that once was being made in China mm-hmm. now to be made in America. What do you want to make specifically? Uh, furniture. Oh, good. Furniture. All right. Who yeah. doesn't like a nice piece of furniture? You want to design and manufacture your own furniture? You want to provide manufacturing for other designers? A manufacture for other designers. Ah, do you know the designers? Yes. I see. And what are they doing now? Do they manufacture their own stuff, the people that you know? Yes. And where do they do that? They do that overseas? They do that overseas, yes. So you want to come into your local market in Tennessee and you want to offer your services to manufacture the furnishings that they're doing overseas now. Is there a discontent on that? In other words, is there a need for your service or you're thinking you'd like to offer it and introduce them to a better idea? It's kind of both. There's a need there because I was the one that got approached to do it uh, just for the reasons that I told you about tariffs and other stuff. And we're getting kind of pushback from our people as well to kind of be more locally sourced to help out with no knock on China, but long lead times and and stuff that kind of fall along with that. So it, it fits very well into that. Also, because of I have quite a bit of manufacturing experience, that's kind of where I would fall into, you know, okay, there's there's different ways, there's more efficient ways to do this mm. and still get to the same result. Okay. So, Jonah, you see an opportunity right now where you could do something better and you think there's a ready audience that would be willing to buy from you because they're contacts you have or you've known before. Is that how it goes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, you sound like the kind of personality that someone would say, hey, how about you? I could easily visualize that. May I ask you what you're doing now? Are you you mentioned you're in the manufacturing business. What do you manufacture now? Is it furniture for your own account or are, is it related in any way? And have you been doing it a long time? It is. It's, it's kind of a mixture of furniture and bedding items. And we do it for some people that I'm sure you're well aware of. You're doing private labeling? In a sense, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Our company makes no specific furniture with our name on it as far mm. as our own brand. Yes. We kind of are the manufacturer of what I would call the, the bigger clients and we're happy, you know, just supplying what they need. <laughs> okay. So here's the rub. Help me with this. I don't get what the difference is. You're now manufacturing furniture and some soft goods for some of the big brands out there in their name. I get that. That's a profitable business. It's a steady business. It must take a lot of cash to do that. How do you get the cash to manufacture for those big brands? Who pays for the actual cost of getting the product made? If it's a larger item, like one of the items that I was just kind of speaking on, then there's a lot of developmental costs, a lot of tooling costs kind of associated with that. But with a lot of the products that we're doing now, with some of my background, didn't go the traditional route of tooling, but, you know, made some of our own tool to get around some of the problems of, you know, not having Mm. that amount of capital to work with. But then also leaning on them to let them know, you know, at this point, this is our niche. This is where we're going to be good at. But maybe further down the road, then obviously, you know, we can do what we would call some higher value items or some more intricate items that, you know, require more tooling or what have you. So Mm. it started out really just uh, with $330 that I had in my pocket. Good for (laughs) you. Three cheers for you, Jonah. How many people could brag about that? Not many. Joni, you took $330. How big did you build that business manufacturing? Yeah, we're probably somewhere around, you know, 
three to four hundred thousand dollars. Good for you. And that's being done with four people. Wow. Good for you. So you have a profitable business. How long have you been doing it? Three years. What did you say you started with? How much money? Three hundred thirty dollars. You're nuts. Three hundred thirty dollars. I wish I gave you half that money so I don't have your business today. But I didn't. I was too stupid. I didn't know you. But anyway, you went from three hundred forty bucks, three hundred fifty dollars to a business now that you're doing three to four hundred thousand dollars in just a few short years. Good for you. But one of the things led me to that was I got let off my job and I thought, you know, this is a chance where I'm just going to try. I'm not going to not succeed. You know, I didn't take that as an option. Failure wasn't an option at that point. But one of the things that really, I think, helped us was the ability for me to just go out, you know, find the customer and kind of work backwards because, you know, there's a lot of good ideas even that I think are, are my own, not necessarily everybody else agrees with. So <laughs> I, I tried to find the customer first and, and that's kind of what's helping. As we've done that, I really started to see that there's a huge need for not only American manufacturing, but I think just the way manufacturing and business is done it is going through a cultural shift, if you will. There's a lot more open-mindedness and saying, you know, okay, I know the big guy can do this, no problem. But this little guy, he's he's pretty clever how he's got it done. I think I'd give him a chance. And so a lot of that's really, really helped us. Well, can I tell you, Jonah, it's helped you build your business already in a few short years. And with your personality... It's almost contagious. I like. I want to do business with you. It's the feeling I get. I bet you everybody you touch has that response to you. You're golden. What you have is the ability to sell. That you went out and found your own customers and built a business in a few short years and used your personality to do it and used a trade that you felt capable of, which is manufacturing, that you were able to do that, my hat's off to you. But here's what you are really asking now. You want to do it on a bigger scale. You want to branch out. Okay, but the rules change a little bit because in your original business, you were able to finesse, if I could use that word, many of the startup costs because you're clever and knew how to do it and rely on what you already knew. But in this newer business, it sounds like you'll need a bigger chunk of cash. Am I right about that? That's absolutely correct. It's like you were playing in the slot machines and now you're going to the blackjack table and you have to chunk down a big pile of cash and it changes the game. You're right? <laughs> correct. Correct. Good. Okay. So let me ask you two detailed questions on the big chunk of money you need and the help you need. How much money would you need to get it started? Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of... $400,000. Okay. And it would be up front to a 400000 over a two-year period. Oh, 400000 over a two-year period would probably be suffice, yeah. And to get it started, really get it started, if you thought you had the confidence to know you could get your hands on the 400000 over a two-year period to come out of the gate and get your first customer signed up, what would you need? 50000 or more like a hundred? it It'd be more like a hundred. Okay. So let's say you need a hundred to $400,000 to get this thing off the ground. Let's say somebody really rich, a rich uncle that came in from the the hills. You never knew you had him. He comes in, he goes, I'm going to give you my 400,000. I've been thinking about you. I'm your uncle. Here's 400,000. How quickly could you earn that $400,000 back by the time you get your customers ordering from you, actually manufacture, get the tooling done and get it to the market and sell? Would it take a year, two years, 10 years? How quickly could you earn? Less than a year. Less than a year. Okay. I'm going to have a couple of suggestions for you. You have a few things you could do. Wait, whoa, whoa, one other thing. Less than a year, you get the money back. If you're all paid up, you don't owe the money. How much money could you make in the second year? So no debt, just profit off the product. It'd probably some be in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 million. <laughs> you gotta be kidding. No, I can't speak in too much detail because there is some clauses that's not allowing me to do that. But 
this is one of the largest companies that deal with this particular product in the world. And because of my past relationships with them and kind of meeting them and visiting them, and it's kind of fell in my lap. And now it's that's where it's at. <laughs> okay, Jonah, <laughs> Jonah. Let me give you the pitch back. Give me $400,000. I only need 100000 the first year. And in year two, you're going to make 30 to 40 million. I'm going to tell you I'm in. Is it legal? It is legal. And that is profit. So the overall range is 160 something million in revenue. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, Jonah. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. Too good to be true. You know what I've learned? When something is too good to be true, guess what? It's too good to be true. I think. Some things I miss here. There's two parts to it. And one of them that kind of fit very well into my wheelhouse, which is kind of how and why I was brought into the conversation. Okay. And other part is something I'm very familiar with, but nowhere now in the situation I'm in available to produce it with kind of how the business is. Yes, you need the cash. Got it. Okay. I'm going to give you sources of capital. Because if your numbers are even vaguely right, you should have absolutely no problem at all raising the money. The money's too juicy. The numbers are seemingly unbelievable. In fact, I'd lie, not about exaggerating the monies, I'd lie the other way and cut them way, way down so at least it seems believable. But there's lots of sources for money. One, of course, just like you started your first business with so little cash, is your own cash. Take that off the list. You don't have your own cash to start this because you have your other business and it's still like a teenager. You got to wait till it gets really old and juicy, right? The next source is your family and friends. Do you have anyone in your family and friends who would want in on this? It's only $100,000 in the first year. I do, but I just don't know if they are... Yeah, or what I would say comfortable because family is always tricky. And especially in my situation, there's been some things going on with, you know, deaths in the family and yeah. and that didn't really go over well. So it, I just don't know, you know, if that would be even as enticing as it sounds yeah. that it would work. I have uh, undisputable data. And this is your sweet spot now. Investors, have you presented to investors your business plan and do you have a rock solid business plan that makes sense? No, I have not presented to any investors. Uh, it's just kind of been me on my own, just chewing over it, you know, staying up at night, thinking about mm. how the different ways it could be done. Can you take all that chewing and get it on paper? Oh, yeah, absolutely. How long would it take you to do that? Mm, a day or two at the most. Well, I, I would take more than a day or two because this is a phenomenal business plan if it actually can really happen, okay? And you're going to have to spend a lot of time on the details to make everything credible because people who are investors, people like me, are going to raise their brown. Impossible. The numbers are crazy. So you're going to need a rock solid business plan to sell. But assuming you could get that together and assuming you have friends or not even friends, but even better enemies who could read it and tear it apart so you could rewrite it a few times. Assuming you have that, there are angel investor groups in every city in the United States. Everybody wants to get on the ground floor of the new latest, greatest business where you can make a killing. So you should go out and peddle it. Let me tell you the one advantage you have and the disadvantage you have. The advantage you have is your personality. Anybody listening to you like, wow, this guy's got it. And you have a report card to prove that you've already built a business with a shoestring budget. Not many people could have that calling card and say, look what I've done. Look at me. Okay. So that's your calling card. But secondly, 
the same personality is a disadvantage because you're so wildly enthusiastic with all these claims, I'm apt to not believe you. So you're going to have to take the flip side of that personality, tone it down and act like a businessman and say, here's my plan. I know these projections seem unbelievable, perhaps at first blush, but let me tell you how we are going to get there and why you're going to make money and how much money you're going to make. Those are the answers every investor wants to hear. How much money do you need? How quickly will I get my money back? And how much money will I make? You answer those three questions at every single point you present, you'll get people running to invest in your business. But it's got to be credible. It's got to be credible. So you know what you're going to do? You're going to put that plan together and go out on a road show just in your local market. And you're going to be able to get that plan where you want it based on the feedback you get. But the most important thing, use the strength of your report card if you're successful already. And the second most important thing is put a little cap on your enthusiasm in terms of number projection because they sound too wild for anybody to really believe it. So you're better off projecting low and surprising people than projecting high and losing people's faith. Got it? That's my best advice. One more thing, Jonah, you ought to give a call to my friends at OnDeck because you have a substantial enough business that you might be able to borrow money from your first business to fund the $100,000 for your second business. That's a great possibility. And you could probably get your hands on that funding pretty fast. I would make that my first stop, actually, now that I think about it. Get that business plan together, okay? Will do. Okay, so nice talking with you, Jonah. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, bye. A lot of people are always writing in or calling in questions about their desire to start a business and should they borrow money to do that. Let me give you my thinking on that because I hear it so frequently, I just thought I should address it right now. When you have a dream about a business and you envision it as a success, the most important thing is not to let that dream escape you. You want to move on it so you can get it up and running. But I do believe it's always better for an entrepreneur to have their own money in the game. There's something about putting your own money in your concept of a business that adds a deep note of reality and makes you do a better job. So if you can save money and seed the business with your own hard-earned cash, you have such respect for that money that you tend not to lose it. That being said, many entrepreneurs get a business started with the help of their family and friends. And I have no problem with that, provided you really feel strongly that you're going to be able to pay them back. Because it's a lot easier to get a job or get a business going than there is to replace your family and friends, in my opinion, so they shouldn't be messed with. That being said, if you're up and running, that's the right time to borrow money. And the right people to borrow money from are people who are in the business of lending to entrepreneurs. Lots of people get discouraged. They go to the local bank and they find they cannot get the money they need. But if you go to an online lender that specializes in that, like my good friends on deck, we're in the business of exactly doing that, then that's the right time to borrow money. When your business is up and running, you've got your own skin in the game, you can see the traction, and you sit down and say to yourself, if only I had more cash, I could really blow this out of the park. That's when you go to an online lender and think, let me make sure I borrow the money wisely and that I could pay it back. And that's where on deck comes in. So that's the skinny on borrowing money to start a business. Best off doing it with your own cash. Second best, borrowing money with your family and friends. Third best, but only once the business is up and running, say a year, you could borrow from an online lender, people who do it for a living, like On Deck.
And that's all the questions we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.